0: No. Capital 263 Welcome to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba
1: and I'm Tawanda Henry Beattie and yeah, welcome to the best political um, podcast on the continent um, in the country. I don't know why I always do continents and country first. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I, you know. I think both are a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Indeed, indeed. It's so good that, you know,
0: some of our guests have requested to come back. Let me put it that way. You know, we've got uh, some people you've heard before on the podcast. Today is the 4th of August, Friday, 4th of August. And um, we'd like to welcome back uh, Dr. Nkosana Moyo, who is now a presidential candidate. When he was last year, he was, you know, still mulling He only teased us Yeah, (laughs) And we've also got Upenyuma Konimatenga, who's back again by popular demand.
2: Uh-huh. Aha, yeah. that's I intimidating sh- a little bit.
0: I shall sit and listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you both for thank thank you both for coming back onto the show. Um, now that we have uh, Doctor Moyo here, who's now a presidential candidate, I think we can have a much more interesting conversation about what it is that you know he intends to do. So that's pretty much what we'll be discussing on the show today. Mm-hmm. Um, his campaign, how that's going. Um, issues to do with policy, issues to do with what happens with the vote—if is it secure? Um, I don't know. Did I leave anything out, Henry? And the youth? Um, you, you no, no. Yeah, the the pretty pretty has comprehensive. About the youth, so. Oh yes, and, and <laughs> the youth—he's—he's yeah. he's here to talk about the youth. <laughs> <as> well, <so. laughs> and the youth. <laughs> and when you said she's got tons of questions. I
2: do. I have lots of questions for
1: Or you. For me or for all of Did us? Did you bring a binder full of questions? <laughs> <laughs> They're
2: all safely locked away in my head. I see. <laughs> so yeah,
1: um, I think we
0: can get straight into it. Um, Dr. Moyo, how's, how's the campaign going? It's going very well actually. Okay. Much better than I would have thought before we started. Really? I haven't seen uh, any rallies. You know, I was in uh, Chinoy last week for the presidential youth interface there's one tomorrow um the alliance is having one i haven't seen any upper rallies when are when are are you inviting us to a rally
3: so you think that campaigning is equivalent to rallies do you Uh, so is it not part of the process part of somebody else's process not uh, not necessarily ours all right what's what's your process talk to citizens don't rallies are a one way process. We want to, to dialogue with citizens, want to interact with citizens, and you do that in smaller groups.
2: How has the feedback been when you are engaging with citizens? It's
3: mixed, as you'd expect. People mm-hmm. who have got lots of questions about the process, about the uneven playing ground. They want to know about our policies, which I think is fair. Yes, mm-hmm. lots of questions.
2: What would you say has been the most, or the key feature of what you're encountering when you're engaging with people?
3: What it's actually quite, uh, what shall I call it, not amusing, because I think the state of this country is not amusing at all. Mm. But what is fascinating, I think that's a better word, is that people are used to certain things. Mm. They are used to certain things, and it's very difficult for them to imagine something different. Uh And so the engagement to try and make people envisage what could be, which is not what they're used to, is, is...
0: is a challenge. Mm. Is a challenge.
1: Henry, go ahead. All right. I'm um, just. I think uh, you, know, I'll, you know. i you know. Thing you're you're having dialogues with these um, with the citizens, and you said people are very interested in your policies. Um, have you begun formulating those policies? Are they coming directly from you, or are you looking to hear from citizens what they want from policies? We,
3: we've got proposals and
1: we're bouncing those off citizens. We're looking
3: for input from citizens. So it's both. It's a, a two-way process. We absolutely... But in fact, what we expect will happen is that when we elect, we put up a high-level agenda which is a product of both our own thoughts and what citizens tell us. But we expect that after the election, we'll set aside about, what, two three months of then engaging, re engaging with citizens to flesh that out into a program as opposed to an agenda. So, an agenda, as you know, it's almost like itemized high level, but it's important at the very beginning of the administration to actually flesh that out into a program. Yeah, that's what we,
0: the process will be. So, um, you, uh, you've, you've set out this. Um this agenda that you're going about, when will it be available for consumption? When when yeah, will people yeah. start, you know, getting to, to actually scrutinize it and ask more questions on what it is you're trying to do?
3: We're aiming to come out uh, with the agenda in about four weeks' time. So we've already sort of got a timeline. Four weeks' time from today, we're expecting we'll be ready to come out and actually put that
0: out in the public domain. And is this is this for... Uh, the office that you're running for, or does it also encompass the the, the parliamentarians and the councillors? And is your party actually pre- prepared or gearing towards running in all 210 constituencies and and that and that sort of thing?
3: We are going to field candidates in all constituencies, and the the what we, the agenda will be, like I said, at a high level, what we're putting forward and in, in consultation with the citizens is what we perceive is the necessary agenda for the next administration, given where the country is starting from. So maybe let me explain it a different way. Mm. We, We believe that citizens are setting out in the electoral process to actually appoint somebody to a job. So when you appoint somebody to a job, it means you have to have a view of what the job is in order to get the right candidate. So what we are chewing and flowing with the citizens on is the job specs, if you like, in order to get a, a piece of paper, which is a job specification, so that when the citizens go and vote, they'll look at the CVs that are presented by the candidates, they'll look at those, look at the track record of those people, what they have been able to do to date, and compare that with their perception of what the job that needs to be done is, and clearly, like in any other appointment or selection of a candidate, we are hoping that the citizens of this country will move away from simply saying "I like so and so," so and so is my relative, to saying, "I understand the job that needs to be done, and I'm choosing a candidate, and I'm giving them the job of executing on this." Mm. That's that's what that's what the process is about.
2: Is that not an idea? So, so in your sorry. Is that not an idealistic approach, though? Because we know historically, for instance, in the 2013 election, Mm. um, Afrobarometer put out a survey and Robert Mugabe was deemed, and is still deemed more popular than the opposition leadership currently prevailing. And he won the presidential election. Is it not too short a time period? Because essentially what what you're describing is sort of a a re-education of the voter to engage with issues rather than personalities. Yeah. is it? Do you not uh, s- feel like the time between now and the election is too short to be able to mm. effectively do that?
3: Okay, so interesting question. Let me ask you, you are an educated young woman. Supposedly.
2: No, you are <laughs> an educated... In fact,
3: let, even if you were not educated, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, are the circumstances of our country difficult for any Zimbabwean to understand? No. Yeah. So if the circumstances of this country are not difficult for any Zimbabwean to understand, no matter what the level of their education, why would we believe, given the reality of where we are, why would we believe that it's difficult to get people to understand this framework, which is actually the only logical framework? The fact that we've done things, remember where we started from? Yes. The fact that we've started from a history of doing things in a manner that actually is illogical, if I may say so, (laughs) is -hmm. no no basis for continuing with the illogicality. Mm -hmm. And we as APA are investing not in the next five years only. Uh We are investing in creating a completely different framework for our country, for our children and our grandchildren. So this program is not about me. It's not about Nkosana. it's about a new way of thinking about our country and how to build it. Mm-hmm. And we are committed. If it means the next five years is not enough, we are happy with that because we're starting a journey rather than just the next administration. And we think the investment is well
1: worth so, it. So, so win or lose, um, you are saying that in for the you are around past two thousand and eighteen as APA, as president of APA, regardless of the result of the 2018 election?
3: Oh, absolutely. But let me just change a little little trick, which is actually quite important. I have already put out into the public that I'm standing and when we win, as we shall, I'll be a president for one term only. But APA is clearly not going to be around for one term only. I will will then take a back seat and continue to support a new way of politics in this country. We need a new way of thinking. The old way has got us where we are, and we need to challenge ourselves. And I'm convinced personally that time is not an issue because the reality we are living is there for everybody to see.
0: Um, I just, before you... I just want to ask on, on the issue of... You said you're engaging the citizens where? Um, because I want to get an understanding of how you are actually getting some of these ideas that you're putting into, into your agenda... Um, I haven't seen, you know, where there's a public meeting, or maybe you know, you're going door to door. I haven't had anyone come to my door. I don't know about who paying you no, as well. No, not yet. So uh, w- not yet. Is
3: that <laughs> <prophecy>? <laughs> so the- I, I think that's a very good answer. Not mm-hmm. yet, mm-hmm. but what we will not do, and I want you to really understand this: mm-hmm. what we're not going to do is to replicate how politics has been done to date. That we're not doing. Okay. So. I've just told you already that as far as we are concerned, rallies are a situation where people go to some location and get some people shouting at them, really, without any meaningful, substantive engagement. Also T-shirts.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Again, it's not about
3: T-shirts and rallies are not going to correct our country. You've just told me yourself, Mm. look at the journey we've traveled with, all those things being done and look at where we've got to, in spite of them being done. So, so let me answer your question. Let me answer your question. Okay. So, what we believe in is engaging with smaller groups where we actually have a real dialogue. And believe me, it's happening. But remember, our environment is very unforgiving, unfortunately. The things that we're talking about, Zach, whether the elections are fair, I mean, yeah? All of those things... Are informing our strategy on how to campaign. When I talk to you, my okay. expectation is that if you agree with what I'm saying, you take this agenda and make it yours, which means you go and talk to your friends and family. It's because it's your agenda. It's your country. It's not just my country. That's our attitude to campaigning. We explain we make people understand what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, and how we're doing it. And then our expectation is that those that we convince take this agenda and make it theirs. And they literally take it and make it theirs. Go to talk to people. Because what we're wanting is not for you to go beaten, get beaten up because you're wearing an upper T-shirt. It's completely meaningless to us. We don't want you to come to a rally so that you can be identified. We will meet with you in safe space, you have a conversation with you and your friends and family, and then you own the message to take on to do
0: exactly the same. That's how we're engaging. And we will soon be
3: in your at your doorstep, as you say.
0: <laughs> but isn't that a bit politically um, uh, naive is not the word, but we have a very immature political space. And you're leaving it to the people who you say to basically champion and carry your message. Can can the people be trusted? Especially when you look at the context. In the sense, Did you just say that? No, yes. To, for, <laughs> no, in the sense that people here are very... We have a very politically polarized society. Yeah. And there is a touch-not-the-anointed-one attitude, mm-hmm. whether it's on the ZANU-PF side, on the MDC side. And how... how can you... Uh, symbolism as well mm. is very important in politics and people mm. respond to symbolism, which is why the t-shirts are there, the slogans are there and all these things. Mm. It's, it's part of the political culture. And whilst you are saying that there's need for a new political culture, and I can agree with that, isn't it, it comes back to the time issue. Is there enough time to go nationwide, conscientize, change mm. the political culture, especially when people are very much... Um, um, fundamentalist about their politics right now. Okay. You know? so, Chris, so Yeah. How do you combat that? Chris, firstly, I hope that
3: will not end where we where we are at the moment. <laughs> sure. So this is a youthful platform. Yeah. You are a young person. Yeah. yeah. My maybe you're going to be correcting me in terms of my perception of what young people represent. It, our whole concept about junior ministers is predicated on my perception of what young people are. And my person, at least when I was young, even now I would dare say, my attitude is I question everything. Absolutely. I don't do things just because they've been done that way before unless they work. When things don't work, my attitude is you take it apart because there is nothing to lose because it's not working anyway. Why would I want to replicate something that's not working? The evidence is in front of you.
2: Can I stop you there, though? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think... The reason why people replicate particularly when it comes to electioneering and campaigning. Mm. The thing that is not working—the T-shirts, the food aid, the rallies—is because it does work. Oh, does it? Yes, it does. Because well, for thirty-seven results. years we've saw the results are different. So what? The is result what, of, I think, of I think thirty-seven years the, is different. What? What is your measure? But then the of win at working. the end of the election yeah. is always the same. How
3: am I going to know that my approach is not going to work if I'm not prepared to try it?
2: I agree with you. But I disagree with
3: you on time. I, so to, I um, ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Tell me how much time you need for me to make you understand, given your circumstances which are real to you in this country.
2: How much time do you think I need? To Five years. To Dr.
1: convince you. Dr. Moyo, I think, two hundred uh, Dr. Moyo <laughs> I think it's not so much about... I don't think it's about convincing me. It's about convincing 3 million people to vote for you in the next election. Um, because that's at the base minimum how much you're going to need if you're going to, to become president. And while, you know, MDC has had 20 years to try and get to, to all the reaches of Zimbabwe, there's still places in Zimbabwe where they don't even know who Morgan Tsvangirai is. So what we're questioning is how you intend to do that Yes, even rumors that the election could be as near as next February. Yes, and but, um, that's what I'm, you also know, trying to. Another, say. Example, another example, another example, another example, Simba Mokoni. We use a traditional method, which has mass push and mass, mass push, and still failed to 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 get that world, that country-wide reach. So I think perhaps people are just confused or are not really understanding how word of mouth and small meetings and safe places are going to reach the necessary mass of people to get you the
3: votes. Yeah, but you know, you know, guys, so part of, I mean, I was, I've been trying to avoid the word disappointed, especially given that we're young people. You know, the history of this country also informs us. We, as a people, fought against a conventional army, and we understood that you couldn't take on a conventional army using conventional methods. Mm -hmm. So went into a guerrilla warfare. You know, I'm not telling you, you anything new that the, the political environment in this country is poisoned in terms of what the environment I would like to enjoy for my fellow citizens and myself and my children and so on. Yeah? Given that, there is no way you can convince me logically that an organisation, a movement such as ours should adopt the same methods that are being used by the people on the other side who've got all the institutions and the... the uh, organs of state against you, which are they abusing, actually, because those organs of state oughtn't be used politically against any other political party. But that is our reality. So given that reality, my disappointment is that you're failing to see the absolute necessity of doing things differently. And also given that I'm arguing this is not a Moyo project. This is our citizens' project. If Nkosana is wrong and the people are happy where they are, let the results show that. If Nkosana is right and APA is right that people are unhappy with where this country is today, then I would still insist that it doesn't need as much time as you think it needs.
2: Can I remind you, though, Mr. Mr. Moyo, that... The guerilla, your analogy to the guerrilla warfare, Zimbabwe's independence was not won militarily. It was a negotiated settlement. And the Rhodesian government was pressured into that negotiated settlement. So, it's, it's problematic. Um, I think there are two I issues. Think, yes? No,
1: no. I'll, go ahead. Sorry.
2: So I think there are two issues mm. which is one the election campaign. Yeah. I completely agree with you the state has been captured institutions are using institutions are being used to perpetuate and replicate the power of a single entity. Mm. But I also believe that in order to get to where you you want to be which is the head of state mm. you have to be able to play the game that is currently on the board. Because saying we're going to play another game is, is I don't believe it's effective. And as Tawanda rightly says, you need three million votes yep. to be viable. Yep. And I don't know that because I—I've met people who honestly believe what they read in the Herald. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. But, but so let
3: me deal with this issue. So, so you—you you are right, but you are wrong with factual on one issue. Mm-hmm. The actually the war here was won. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe not one in the way you want to define it. Mm-hmm. The Rhodesians saw defeat staring them in the face and then they preempted. That's what happened.
2: There was no support for the Rhodesian state.
3: No, no, no. My point, though, you need to, we need to I understand. Think, um, you need to understand. <laughs> the Rhodesians could uh-huh. see defeat staring them in the face. Okay, I'll that's, concede. Yeah, I'll concede that's that exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay? Mm-hmm. So yeah. so it I was... Think, it, I the think there are some right. Rhodesians who, who still... Would we'll disagree on that, but I'm <laughs> well, on to as you'd expect um, them
3: to, to do, right?
0: Uh, I I just have a question. <laughs> in, t- not in terms of the candidates, so you said you're fielding candidates in a, in all 210 constituencies. Yeah. When will we get to see who these people are? Well, because it's not just about you. You said yes. and, is the and, and 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 on that point, how
1: are they chosen? How are you choosing the candidates as well? Um, on just to add on to Chris's question. Yeah. Well, so I I told you that we're going to uh, come out with the agenda.
3: Uh, in roughly in about four weeks' time, mm-hmm. will come up at that time. We expect will be we have completed our provincial structures. Our approach to candidature is going to be that our provincial structures will work with communities to identify the candidates who will stand in con- in the different constituencies. The reason being one simple: I concede to you that we. We, have got a completely, we want to introduce a different way of mm-hmm. politics and thinking. Accountability in this country is not happening at the moment. The reason being that parliamentary uh, candidates and parliamentarians after that when they are elected, they, they think they account to the party, not to the people.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that starts by the way they are chosen because it's not really community determined. We want to reverse that. So that the community working with our structures will identify the people who should stand in the different constituencies. So that the relationship that is established right from day one is a relationship between the candidate and the community. So that the candidate knows in, with no uncertainty whatsoever that the accountability is to the community. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's the way we're going to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So, I was asking as well, um, in terms of your candidate mix-up, uh, um, when you um, launched the party, you were uh, criticizing. I saw you um, in your subsequent press conferences, um, you rectified it um, for having uh, no women at the table um, when you were sitting down uh, announcing the party. Yeah. Um, do you? Are you, uh, Is that something you're going to push for your candidate's list as well as the makeup of the party, uh, a gender parity and a youth balance as well. Absolutely. So, again, I look. let
3: me explain this just as a manager. You know, I've spent my working life in finance mostly, uh, commercial banking, investment banking, private equity, and then development banking. And uh, the research that has been done in all of those spaces says the behavior of women on the whole exhibits more responsibility or, if you want, conservatism Towards managing money so as a manager no no not claiming any higher gender sensitivity than anybody else but as a manager when I look at those stats and that research what it says to me is that women within any community represent a huge asset that we a society are not yet using and for me I'm a rational manager so just approaching it from that perspective alone It suggests to me that if you want to be an efficient manager to deliver on the development agenda, it would be irrational for you not to go and create gender parity in everything you do. That's my basis. So starting with our cabinet, we've already committed, it's going to be 50-50. And our approach, which other people disagree with, is that we're not going to have a women's ministry. We're going to have to mainstream anything to do with women in the main activities of our administration. It must be integrated. Women are not in some other country on their own. They are within our society. They are in an integral part. So mainstreaming is much more logical because of the way society is made up. That's how we're going to approach it.
2: But our society is not... um, How can I put it? First of all, our politics is not a meritocracy. So the idea for me that, that... People are going to elect their leadership in communities and from that will arise a 50-50 gender parity. I think those two things are misnomers because we all know this is a very patriarchal society. So it's not, it's not normative to elect a woman for office in our society. It's more likely that men will be elected in overwhelming numbers and you will have a majority of men. Because you know, I was saying to somebody the other day that people find women who are opinionated annoying. So some, some people. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> some people yeah. find women who are picky. For the record, like, I don't, don't, don't find. You know. For annoying. the record, we like to have you. <laughs> <women. laughs> so that's why I correct some people. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you're back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, but it's not normative for our society. So I think the real question is here: yeah, if you are not then willing to enforce. Mm. How are you going to ensure gender parity? Are you sure I
3: want to use that word, enforce?
2: Yes, absolutely, because I am a woman. I want to know that somebody's on my I,
3: side. I, I suppose I've got more faith in human beings. I think that I can sit and explain and defend and sell a position to a community, and I think that sustainability comes out of me convincing my society rather than enforcing something. So let me give you an example. I've been very fortunate. So I spent two and a half years in Tunisia uh, with the ADB, and Tunisia, I think, is one of only two uh, Muslim countries where there is no polygamy. Did you know that? No. Yeah, there is no polygamy in Tunisia, and it's a Muslim country, and uh, that came to be because of the first president after independence from France. I think it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who, Who? had in his mind to persuade his fellow citizens that this was not a good system. And he succeeded in recreating, re-engineering. So when you go to Tunis, the way women carry themselves, they could be New York, London, or whatever, Paris. These things are possible. Human beings are not stupid. And the Zimbabweans, especially Zimbabweans, Zimbabweans are very smart. If you engage and invest in explaining the logic behind some of the ideas, I believe that we're going to move our society, we're going to re-engineer it for the better, and we will not fail. At cabinet level, incidentally, we've already been doing some, some research, as you can imagine. It's amazing how many Zimbabwean professionals are serving today in global companies, Zimbabweans of both genders. So it should be absolutely not a problem to get, because what you do in cabinet will send very strong signals to the rest of our society. The visibility is the top organ, literally, of our administration. People look at that and think, wow, if that can work, why can any other structure not work in the same similar way? Look at uh, Rwanda. How have they done it? So we... I, especially you as young people, I really, if I walk away with just one thing I would like you to take away, you need to understand that what we are trying to do as APA is create, hopefully with you, a world that will work for you, a country that will work for you. Your futures are being blighted as you watch. Totally. And you owe it to yourselves and your children to engage with this, take this upper agenda and make it yours. We can do it. We can, there is nothing that can stop us if we make up our minds.
2: I agree. But in 100% upper parliament, mm. I'm, I'm a little bit um, afraid of if we say, because this is precisely why we had then uh, proportional representation members of parliament. You know, the, the confidence, I do not have confidence that people are going to elect 50% of that, uh, 105 women to run in Zimbabwe. Does that make sense? No party has ever fielded 105 women But for how many parliament. parties
3: have engaged with communities to explain why? In, so the question I, keep, I will keep coming up with, those countries that have achieved these numbers.
2: But no country has ever actually achieved what 50, is the percentage of
3: women in parliament in, in, in
0: Rwanda. Rwanda? actually does. I think 50, 50. It's Rwanda 62. is, is actually the women 62. I think Rwanda has got... Yeah, yeah, if it's, yeah. About yeah.
1: 60, it's 62 or 68, but it's above 60% yeah. women. And cabinet level, France and Canada have fifty-fifty, 50-50, So, I mean, yeah. as as we are
3: talking here, I look at you and I think, why wouldn't you believe in? It? Why would I doubt that you can do this?
2: Because I live in a society where a man thinks paying Rora <laughs> means that he owns you. You're <laughs> a kind cat- so. <laughs> let's change it. <laughs> let's change <laughs> so it. And I, I uh, think incidentally, it's possible.
3: Incidentally, uh-huh. Rora was never intended to work that way. You know, we've sub- we we. Corrupted it. Yes. So why do you want to uh, stick
1: with the corrupted system? As we've corrupted So, so is things. your position that 50,000 is, <laughs> is too much? 50,000 is what? But um, speaking
0: about APA and say you are elected, what are some of the key policies? I think, you know, this is um, important yeah. that yeah. you are looking to tackle yeah. or that you have set out and said this in the first six months or whatever it is, this is what we need to look at and yeah. this is how we are going to do it.
3: Yeah. So let, let's just be clear about the process. Remember what I said. In about four, four weeks' time, we'll come up with our agenda, which is high level.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Within the first three months after being elected, we'll then flesh that out, come up with a program. Yeah. Okay. And that fleshing out will also again involve interaction with the community. But having said all of that, We have identified the key high-level, let me call them pillars, of where we think all these programs ought to center around, and I'll explain why. So the first one is that, as you know, as a a nation, we we are not a nation. We've got a nation state, Mm -hmm. something geographic, which we call Zimbabwe, but the people who reside within it are not joined up. We are not cohesive. And we believe that that has been done deliberately, uh, divide and rule. But we also believe that there is no society anywhere in the world that will be successful when the state of its people actually is represented by uh, lack of cohesion. So that's an important part. We have to have a whole program space dedicated to creating cohesion in our population. Yeah, So that when we have conversations about programming, sequencing, prioritization, which by definition implies sacrificing certain things up front for us to come back to them in the future because of a shortage of resources. We can then agree because we've got cohesion. Yeah? So that's one pillar space. The next one is the issue of uh, institutions of state. Our country, you raised, I, I think both of you raised the issue of ZEC. So if you take ZEC, you take the army, you take the police, you take the judiciary and you take the intelligence services. Every single state requires these these institutions. But the best way to use them is when they are institutions of state, not institutions which are appendages to a political party, which is what we have. Because these institutions are supposed to protect us, the citizenry, through our constitution, rather than be partisan and protect the members of a political party. So there's a lot of work and a focus on developing that architecture and implementing it so that the relationship between the citizens and their government is mediated, if you like, through these institutions. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah? So a big piece of work. As you can see, we're not in a good place. And the last and obvious one is the economy. There are a number of issues. I just want to indicate some of them. Our, our, Our public sector is too big for our economy. We need to correct size it and I've already said, I think, but maybe not here because I had not yet made up my mind, but we have looked at our economy, the size of government, done comparative analysis with other countries and so on. There is no justification, according to our findings, of a Zimbabwean cabinet which is bigger than 20 people. There is none whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Okay. In fact, when we've done the exercise, we're putting 20 because we're creating a buffer just in case we've of us looked something. The number we actually came up with for our country is 16. We can do run this country with 16 ministers only. And that is in addition to eliminating the category of deputy minister. As you are aware, our deputy ministers are there as creating jobs for the boys. Mm-hmm. When a minister is away, the deputy minister does not act. Another minister acts. So we're doing away The whole infrastructure that supports these people and the ministers that we're eliminating are resources that should be going into investment for our economy, especially in the infrastructure space. Not happening because over 90% of our budget goes into salaries. Completely unforgivable, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then that we're going to introduce a different category of minister, what, junior ministers. And every single one of them will be below the age of 35. Two reasons we want to do this. The first reason is that we believe in the concept of a present do as you learn, apprenticeship. Okay, But I think an equally, maybe even more important component of junior ministers is that innovation comes from young people. Innovation does not come as a generality from old people. When you don't create space for young people, you deprive your society of innovation, not innovativeness. Let's look at uh, uh, technology. In today's age, every country that is led by anybody who is sensible, you have to prepare your economy for a a digital age. It's got to be a digital economy. Mm -hmm. Who understands technology? Old or young? It is young people again. So if we are serious about getting our economy to be appropriate for the times we're living in, we have to find innovative ways of including young people, at the core of what we do. That's why we've come up with the concept of junior ministers. Yeah. So those are the three pillars. In the, in the economic sector, correct size the, the the government, the administration, release resources for investment, create an environment where the international community, not just, in, let's start with domestic actually, where domestic entrepreneurs and investors can have confidence in investing in growing their own economy and when they do that outsiders will look at what is what the local people are doing and say looks like they normally local people know what you as a foreigner don't know and if what they do indicates they've got confidence in their economy outsiders will come in so that's the sequencing yeah create confidence in your own entrepreneurs create a conducive environment let them invest and grow the economy rather than taking their money to Switzerland and wherever else. And then outsiders will also then come in. Yeah? And a clarity on the role of government. My view, and qualified, because I'll explain. Government on the whole should be a referee, not a player. On the whole. Should mm-hmm. be a referee, should be a regulator. It should create an even playing field mm-hmm. and let the players play, but make sure that the rules are being followed. But when government becomes a player itself, logically you understand there is a problem. At the moment, we've got a government that invests in in, in tourism and mining. For what reason? The private sector can do that. There is absolutely no logic whatsoever. Then there also, we need to be clear about certain sectors of the economy, which we're going to fast track right up at the beginning in order to prime the pump, if you like. Tourism, agriculture, and mining. These are sectors, if we get our policy framework working correctly, they will help grow very quickly to help us get going. So that's, at the top level, those are the issues. The three pillars, and I've gone into a bit more detail on the issue of the economy. But that's it.
1: I have uh, a few questions. (laughs) um just, a few. just um, <laughs> that's, that's a relief <laughs> just a, um but i mean um you spoke about the size of the cabinet. um yeah. would you do away with state ministers of state um particularly given that devolution of the government uh to is something that was fought for quite um hard by uh, you know certain um provinces in the country mm-hmm. um so if you're taking away minister of state you you you're taking away you know a point of call that um, you know provinces have in terms of influencing the central government.
3: Yeah, but why can't the the primary structure have proper um, decentralisation inbuilt into it? Why do you want a parallel and almost like supernumerary structure over and above the main one? Mainstream it into the main system in terms of decentralisation. Make. The the architecture of your administration deal with that issue of provincial uh, authority. Put it into the main system. Well, speaking uh, so you
1: you're advocating for a strong central government as opposed to a, a dispersed, um, localized government. No, actually, I'm, I, I'm, I would strongly support a more dispersed
3: government. But the way we've done our so-called ministers of state. They are part of the central system. They account to the central system. They are not accountable to the provinces, as you say. So it's, it's a bit of a, a, a smoke screen, if you ask me. So let's go back, strip this thing, and do it properly.
1: And um, where do traditional leaders and um, you know, chiefs fit into your structure of governance?
3: Yeah. So I, to be honest with you, we have not thought it out, but at the high level, we are very clear that we have to st- streamline how the... the I, I'm going to use words which could get me into trouble, but I just can't think of a better vocabulary. I haven't got it. The, more, the structures of the modern state, in our view, if you want the system to work properly, they must be aligned with the traditional leadership. So the principle is alignment. Don't make them work as if they are sitting side by side but not talking to each other. Do an architecture where the two talk to each other and they are logical, the one feeds off another. We're going to have to look at countries which are practicing this. And the nearest country that I know of, where it appears that they've got the design working correctly, is Botswana. Botswana has got a system where sometimes a minister, if they transgress, will actually go to be tried or to be uh, called to book by a traditional uh, system. But I do not know the detail yet. We're going to have to look at this. Mm -hmm. But the the object will be streamline our modern governance systems with our traditional ways to make sure that the institutions we put in place are owned by our people. They must talk to our people. They must make sense for them. Then we'll move our society as a whole.
1: And, um, just one final question from me um on this particular thing, I think others have something to ask um you know this idea of right sizing government um uh, governments, particularly with the wage bill so large, is such a popular, popular idea and um on the face of it, it's such a good idea, and I'm all for it. But we have a country that has ninety percent formal unemployment. How is it does it make sense to create more unemployment as as a government, as a, one of your policies, like where are these people going to go <laughs> um, so, so, Henry, this can... is the government right now, the government right now is the biggest employer of 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 people in the country for more employment. So my question to you is, how do you begin by right sizing the government without first creating the jobs that these people are going to go to or 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 and even the cost of retrenchment packages might actually be put more strain on the government fiscus, on the, on the treasury than paying salaries regularly because those retrenchment packages for someone who's worked 25, 30 years in the government are, could be huge.
3: Yeah, so Henry, let's, let's make sure that the sequencing of the attempting to solve the problem is done properly. Let's start with the diagnostics. You are saying to me, uh, government is the biggest employer. So you are right. Now, I want you to analyze the consequences of that structure. Before we worry too much about what the solution should look like, walk with me to analyze the consequences of having a government that is the biggest employer as we have. What are the consequences?
1: The consequences are that it's it's a system of patronage, of course. I think that's the main consequence, but it's what's there. No, no, so no, but I want to know have the to consequence deal.
3: on the outcomes, what what is happening to our economy because of that kind of structure where the, the, we are structuring ourselves so as we've got no surpluses left to plow back into mm-hmm. investing? Mm-hmm. That's what we've done, okay? Mm-hmm. So where is that leading us? Just talk to me about the evidence because I'm not asking you to analyze. I'm asking you to read literally what is there. Where are we because of that structure?
0: Well, there's, I'll, I, I, I can take that. There's, you know, there's... The economy is shrinking, number one, because as you said, there's no investment going back into it. And then you have all sorts of policies that then tend to make the situation a lot worse and more people end up out of jobs because a lot of private companies end up shutting down. Precisely so.
3: Before, again, before going into trying to prescribe and structure a solution, my next question is, is the system as it is structured sustainable? No, no, I want to end because he asked the question. Please answer. Me. No, no,
1: it's the, the, the system is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. But I'm asking for the actual sequencing of how you'd implement the problem because we agree on what needs to be done. I think what I'm asking is how it's going to be done. No, okay. But when you asked your question, you implied that it, was, it
3: might be considered as is irrational and illogical to reduce government.
1: Because you are making more people unemployed. That's how you structured it. it no, no. The, the 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 argument is it is without a without a, a solid plan. If you're going to say on your first day of office or after the three months consultation, that you know the Ministry of Psychomotric activities is no longer in existence <laughs> and 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 the fifty people in that ministry no longer have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, then, but, but I so, I'm, I'm, what I'm asking is, I, 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 I began by prefacing, saying it's a good idea, and everyone agrees that. No, that's no, 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 no.
3: no, not It's a, not just, a Hold president. on, hold on. <laughs> it's not a good idea. It's a necessary idea. It's yes, up. yeah, we can agree good. on that. We're, okay, we're agreeing on that, Doctor Moi. What I'm asking is how. Would okay, you do fine. It? No, no, no. I, I'm going to get there. I just wanted us to walk together in the analysis, which took us to a point where we said. What is there is not sustainable, and therefore, we absolutely have to get out of there. And therefore, so let's look at solutions and what those solutions might look like, yeah? Firstly, I think we need to understand that I suspect that in life, like in everything else, when you adjust, at a point of adjustment, you have to be prepared to take some pain. If you want to adjust without any pain, you're going to die anyway, yeah? Because that's what we've just agreed it's not sustainable, it's going to crash. Are we prepared to, pay, to take some pain in order to create a more sustainable system? I would like to think that as rational people, the answer has to be yes. Then the next question is, but how do we stay alive? How do we make sure that the pain does not kill us? Very fair question to ask. Mm-hmm. My own view is that if we face things properly, but also... You know, it's, this is going to take me into a very uncomfortable territory, but I think we have to deal with it. It will be very interesting to analyze how much money is being taken out of our country, even as as we, as the citizens, who put real money in banks can't get it anymore. Just the discipline of understanding of how an economy works. If we get an understanding of how an economy works and start doing the right things, and they just cut some expenditures which are not killing anybody, like too much travel, too many allowances. <laughs> uh, what are they called, these allowances they give you when you're traveling on these? Your per diems. Yeah. Yeah. So without, without causing anybody to suffer, there is a lot we can take out or, or save, rather, in order to already begin to build real jobs that are sustainable. When, if, if, Somebody, I would like to think, if somebody like me won these coming elections, the international community investment that will come into this country and come in actually quite quickly will surprise you in terms of how much we can the uptick on the job side, on the industrial side is. But ultimately, I also think that there is some uh, priming of the pump that we'll be able to get from our partners, development partners, I think the goodwill towards Zimbabwe is still there. If we come up with a structure that makes sense, that is logical, that creates sustainability, people come to our aid.
2: I um, want to interject there and say mm-hmm. that in 20, 2009, mm-hmm. Mr. Changira and the GNU made the same assumption. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a very, you know, much touted, much reported tour mm. to our development partners, yeah. and yeah. many conversations were had, mm. but very little yeah. was brought back. Mm-hmm. So I hesitate to make that assumption.
1: Well, you, you, yeah. but I, I, think I, you I remember the I remember the finance minister at the time being very frustrated <laughs> <laughs> let, <laughs> at, at, at home there about uh, the lack of. Um, of of um of of the funding and in fact a bigger question or maybe a better question or a more complete question is that is that some of the things that Zim has to deal with are legacy debt we've just taken another $300, $300 million from from um, Afrimex Bank Bank mm-hmm. um, the, the treasury right now and Africson the treasury right now and treasury bills as you know over. $500 million dollars in treasury bills locally yes. that it's reporting. Lord knows how much they actually have that's unreported. Yeah. Um, and okay. that's not even to talk about our debts with the international financial institutions. Mm-hmm. So, whatever you do as a policy, you're going to have to deal with that debt. Let me tell you um, what. Finance and you said, do you think, you, have you, and you said you can fix the economy in just five years. How are you going to deal with that massive amount of debt in so, just five years? So, here is the reality about finance, which I know very well. Banks
3: will take a cut, a haircut, in what is owed to them if you present them with a realistic plan of a turnaround and the possibility of them getting some of their money back. At the moment, they are owed all of this money. There is no evidence whatsoever, not a shred of evidence in terms of what's going on now, of them getting any of it back. None. So if you go to a bank and you owe them money, and you say, I can't pay you 100 cents in the dollar, but I can pay you 50, 20, whatever the number may be, and you present them with a, an executable plan which has got viability in it, they'll take a cut. And Zimbabwe is going to have to do that. You know, it's not he, We're not going to be making history. Debt forgiveness is... Can, is, is the president's all I, over the place.
1: Can, 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 I, can I talk about... Henry, give me a chance to talk about the <laughs> GNU. No, 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 because it's important.
3: The GNU, please. You ask me about yes. the GNU. I think you need to analyze very carefully what happened during the GNU. And this is something else people need to pay, to pay great attention when they talk about coalitions. Coalitions can result in a stalemate. In other words, Yes, you neutralize bad things happening, but you create no movement either because nobody is in charge. If you ask me, my humble opinion, there was stabilization, yes, but it was a checkmating system stopping the government, Zanu government of the day, doing bad things, but because nobody was in charge on the opposition side to actually do positive things, to turn things around, nothing much happened you stopped things getting worse but you didn't start making things better either mm-hmm. that's what you need to understand point number 2 there is a lot of talk currently about uh, electoral reforms why did the gnu not tackle electoral reforms then
2: oh that's a sore spot for me
3: uh, because they, uh, if they if they had focused on it that's when they should have done it yes. so but I am trying to use this to illustrate the dangers of an administration where nobody owns the agenda, but all they do is checkmate each other. Mm -hmm. They checkmate each other, Mm -hmm. but nothing comes out of it.
1: All right. um, I I agree with you, especially with the electoral reforms. uh, They really dropped the ball on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Just... uh, I, don't know, I feel like I'm well, well
0: no, but speaking about that and the electoral reforms mm. and the fact that we don't have them and you're going into this election, how is APA going to protect its vote because you know issues resulting in um, whether elections are credible mm. are very serious yeah. and if 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 people cannot you know trust that their vote is going to be protected, one there might be apathy mm. and to you who might you know, end up with the most votes might not actually get to become the parliamentarian or the councillor or even the president. Mm, so how yeah. is APA tackling this issue of protecting the vote and ensuring that when people vote, the result will come out as is, as they voted
3: for? The, the, truth, the truth, Chris, is that I cannot guarantee any of those things. But if I lived my life by making negative assumptions, I think it would be a sad world in which we live. So I am going to admit that there are risks associated with this, but risk-taking is a way of life for all of us. We may not necessarily identify explicitly and, uh, and recognize them, but in coming, just coming here, driving here, I had to take a risk. But I had to use a positive assumption that I'll get here. And I did get here. If I'd chosen to focus on the negative possibility that I could have an accident, I would have stayed at home and I wouldn't be here. So let's, let's firstly understand and not kid each other about the existence of risk that we have to take. So having said that, what assumptions are we making as APA? Look at the facts of our last three elections or so. The eligible Zimbabweans who've bothered to invest in the voting process are a minority, somewhere between 40 and 45%. The majority of our citizens have not seen it worthwhile to come and vote, okay? Valid pushback. We do not know the reason why they did that. It could be that they said, the system is so rigged against us, what I do makes no difference. That's one possibility. The other possibility we shouldn't dismiss, though, is that they looked at the candidates on offer and decided none of these people can do the job I want done. Therefore, I'm not going to appoint anybody. And we are coming as up and saying, here is a a definition of what the job, according to us, is. Please critique it. Look at the job we are proposing should be done. And then we are putting up a candidate who we believe has got the qualifications to perform this job. But again, it's up to you as a citizen to do the two things. Critique the job description, look at the CV and the track record and say it is just possible, as I've used an example before, that these people were looking at the menu of a particular restaurant and saying, you know what, nothing in that restaurant is worth my money. I'm not wasting my money, going to vote, I'm not paying for this food, therefore I'm not getting involved. By doing what we're doing, we're going to test that theory that actually there was nothing attractive on that menu for the 60% of our citizens and we are offering something that will attract them. But not only that. I know for a fact, because people talk to us, there are people from the other parties now who are engaging seriously with us. So it's not only those who have not been voting before. Those who have been voting on what was available are now having to contrast that with what APA is offering. And some of them are saying, guess what? I think this dish is more attractive than what have been fed to date. That is happening. So, in terms of rigging, my belief in terms of managing systems is that it is easier to mess around on the edges with a system when you're dealing with smaller numbers. It is harder. I'm not saying it's impossible. It is harder when you're dealing with big numbers. So, the appeal for me, from us, is that you guys, especially the younger generation, mobilize yourselves in Droves and go and vote and make the rigging more difficult because we are going to going people are going to have to deal with huge numbers not impossible but more difficult we owe it to ourselves to give it a go i'm not going to sit here and try to say i guarantee anything because i can't but if we don't do this we'll never know whether we could have pulled it off i think that we owe it ourselves to give it to give it a go And see whether we don't pull it off.
1: Um, (laughs) it's, uh, it's a, I think it's a good, um, it's a good idea. But the problem or the question that, um, as young people that we've had, and I think we've probably touched on it in the last uh, podcast as well, is that, um, your role is not simply to present yourself and, expects the young people to to mobilize themselves around you um fair enough you've presented an option that's different from from what was there uh before but um i think a lot of people would argue that there needs to be more done to mobilize the young people as it were um i think it's not simply enough to to rely on um the belief or the strategy that presenting a better option is is going to results in, a, in a people making a different decision
3: i agree henry but you know what my hope and i i'm not going to depart from this hope is that young people take it upon themselves as their responsibility to create the world and the country that will work for them i will go further and push it even more maybe to surprise you i actually don't care whether the candidate that young people choose to elect is me I would suggest to you as young people that if it's necessary, if you think what is on offer is not good enough, go find your own candidate. Don't wait for people who offer themselves either. It's your responsibility to engage with creating the world that's going to work for you. So if it means you happen to know somebody else who is out there would present a better prospect compared to Apa and Kosana, please get on with it. When you create that country that works, you'll create it for me me and my children too. So I won't mind. So it's not about me. I want to challenge you. Take it upon yourself. You've got the numbers. You've got the superiority of numbers. Elections are a majoritarian issue. If you mobilize and you're clear about where you want to take the country,
0: you will get it done. But you see, I, I think this is where the issue then is, is that a lot of young people are not clear. And this is where leadership comes in, in the sense that, you, young people in this country, aside from the fact that they've been, a lot of disappointment has happened in terms of, you know, the education system is, is 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 struggling right now, in terms of jobs, in terms of ideology. There is no, in fact, the political system doesn't create an ideology that one can actually subscribe to and follow. Um, MDC will tell you that they're social democrats, but if you ask young people what that actually means, they don't understand. What mm-hmm. they know is, Save chete chete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ZANU PF will talk about all it's, from the time it was a socialist party to whatever it has become now, mm-hmm. even if it has these socialist um, ideologies, mm-hmm. they don't, young people don't understand these things. So even in terms so, of... No, but no, it, no, no. You're generalizing too much. Some young... So
3: society, you're right, is organized almost like a, a pyramid. Yeah? Yeah. So, some of you young people understand these things. Some of you have got the tools to analyze and understand. Sure. It. So, let me put back to you the challenge you are putting to me. Why don't those of you who understand it mobilize? Because you're going to be more, much more successful mobilizing no. other young people than I will be. Listen,
0: it's, 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 it's mobilizing to go and say, guys, let's go out and vote. Fine. Yeah. The issue comes up is... Who are we voting for? Yeah. And this is a question that a lot of young people are asking. Even you know, it's it's on Facebook. It's Which on, is a healthy it's, question to ask. It's, it is a healthy yeah. question yeah. to ask. But okay. then the thing is, it's it's coming up with a the framework or whatever it is, or having leaders that are actually coming and saying, "This is what I'm about." This is explaining the issues in a way that inspires young people to vote for, mm. to 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 vote for them. Okay. And I think there they, they must be, uh, whilst young people must have urgency to, you know, go out and look for these things, at the same time, some people, some of the young people are just worried about, will I get employed tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. been employed for the last three, four years. Mm. I don't have money to go online to check, you know, who's doing what or who's saying what. Yeah. I can't even go on to the, to you know, I don't have a radio, I don't have all these things. And there's no one who's coming to speak to them in such a way that inspires them to actually want to do it. It's very difficult when you are unemployed, when you are worrying about, you know, when you'll get your next meal, to mobilize somebody to say, let's go out and, number one, look for the leader, Mm -hmm. because you have to start there. Or, number one, come up with an ideology that we are going to say this is what we are about. Number two, then go out and look for somebody who you say fits this description that we want. Number three, if that person you think is the right person and they don't want, you then have to convince them as well. Yeah. It's quite a lot of work. But that's how
2: life works. But I don't think that's <laughs> enough. Look, but yeah. but because what you're, enough. what you're counting I'm, on is the fact that somebody will... For instance, I have a cousin. Yeah. He's getting married. He got his girlfriend pregnant. He's hoping to put a <laughs> combi on the road.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very excited. Um,
2: he's hoping to put a combi on, a ro- on the road so that he can make a livelihood for himself and his wife and his child. But my cousin is not interested at all in the political process. In fact, he is so disengaged that for him, this discussion cannot happen except for on CNN. Okay. Right so except for on Uh, cnn except for on cnn (laughs) because that's where these sorts of things happen that's where this kind of discussion happens it doesn't happen in his universe okay so my question to you about my cousin and Mm -hmm. let me put myself in my cousin's shoes Mm. why should i vote and why should i vote for you
3: okay so let me ask you in return no you must answer the question Uh, yes i am i am i'm Okay. But often, some sometimes it clarifies <laughs> if uh-huh. it's put in. Uh, okay. So between you and I,
2: mm-hmm.
3: between you and I, mm-hmm. who has got a better chance of convincing your cousin?
2: Probably you. Why? Because you're an older, distinguished gentleman. Told you, people don't <laughs> listen to opinionated <laughs> women.
1: But but yeah, definitely. Doctor Moyle. but but let me let's finish
3: this one because okay. it's important. Yeah. We are saying, so once I've talked to the three of you, mm-hmm. if you buy into what I'm saying, you, can, you, you should do two, one of no both these things. The first one is that you take this message and make it your own, and then you go and talk to all your friends and your family. Point number one. Point number two, if you think that I would be more persuasive in that setting, you then organize and call me to come and talk to your friends and family take responsibility. Don't shake don't responsibility. Because when you, even if you're saying your cousin might be convinced by myself, mm-hmm. your cousin, given the environment again that is so poisoned, your cousin is going to be better predisposed to listen to me when you arrange the meeting.
2: I can, but my the, cousin will still ask you the question. No, and, Why I'll, answer,
3: I? But answer? and I'll answer it. And answer I'll, the I'll, so, But I've answered it. Have I not answered it to no. you? No.
2: Oh, Not in a language that he would understand. <laughs> but in a language you understood. Yes, but why should he vote and why should he vote for you?
3: Because I'll create, we as Apple will create an environment where in fact he can buy that combi. if that's no, He can attain whatever his aspirations are. That's the environment we'll create for him. Is that not a good enough reason?
2: That is a good enough reason. But why should he even vote?
3: Because that is not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen on its own.
1: Okay. I, I I don't know, Chris. I don't know what our time is looking like, but I just wanted to, um, if we've got more time, I can go on. Go on, um, Henry. It's fine. We, you know, our listeners. <laughs> okay. okay. No, no. It was interesting. Um, you said that. Um, you said that. Um, earlier you said that you you don't you don't care who. You, people vote for as long as they vote for the right um, person in terms of the job that
3: <laughs> needs to be done so what i was okay I, so because it's interesting for presidential candidates. no 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 henry because i'm say. very disciplined i want you yes. to understand that for me this this a uh, project if i may call it that is absolutely not about ngosana there is a certain discipline i have that i impose on myself and i will also admit It doesn't follow at all that I'm the best candidate available. I can be the best amongst those who offer themselves. I'm saying to you young people, if you think there is somebody else out there, go and persuade them to run. It's your responsibility. I'm concerned about my country, not about me. And I want you also to be concerned about your country, not about yourselves.
2: But are there not other ways to to express concern about your country or to a foundation, for instance? or a charitable enterprise, or any other way that is far more um, effective and than government? I understand where you're coming from in terms of we need to reform government, but in terms of... Because if you're saying that there are other better candidates than the, yourself... They could, no, they then could is be. Is there not another be. way?
3: No, but there could be. And, and so your question is also valid, but understand mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. You know, government in any country is like the foundation of a building. It's like the found. Yes, other things can happen, but I can guarantee you, and I would like you to convince me and show me an example of a dysfunctional government where a country can still function properly. Show me one. So the investment... Amer- is- America. <laughs> <laughs> and how long... You- and you think that's going to be sustained? So- <laughs> Well, we, I don't know. Yeah, that, but that's important. So, America is a, an existing building which somebody's
0: happily chipping away at and they let that continue and see where that will stand. But you, you know what? I, I agree that young people, all, all Zimbabweans have a responsibility. It's just, I think as human beings, not everyone is a born leader or born... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Self motivator. Mm. You know. You can tell somebody that you have a responsibility to do something, but just because they don't they aren't motivated to do it, they won't do it. Um, you know, you can tell somebody, hey, you know no you know, but because they just generally don't have the motivation to do it, they won't do it until you, you know, present them with some sort of reward or the stick or the carrot, whichever, and then they get up and do what it is. So whilst I I agree on the point of responsibility. I think, though, that those who are looking to win votes, mm. because that's what it is, mm. you're looking to win votes, should actually be a lot more inspiring. I get, you know, you're saying if they are better... Sorry, can, if, if, mean, if meaning that I'm not inspired. No, 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 <laughs> not that. It's the sense that you, you, you seem to be saying the responsibility lies with young people to make the decisions. I think you also have a responsibility... To encourage and convince young people to come to your side, and I am and, doing that, and yeah, and you've spoken about it. But when you say certain things, like if they are better candidates, then they should go out and no, find. But, it, but it, guys, it, guys, guys, slow down for me. You know, if I am to
3: be honest, which I always want to be, mm. I we as upper want to change the politics of this country, mm. and in order to do that, I have to tell you the processes as I see them, including the fact that if there is a better candidate, which is quite a possibility, I think it's your responsibility to look for that candidate. You see, I cannot sit here and claim that I'm the brightest person around. What I can tell you though, (laughs) is that of the candidates offered as of today, I think I'm the best candidate. But am I overall (laughs) just absolutely the best candidate? The answer is I've got no clue. And I think the citizens of this country owe it to themselves to make an investment in looking where that checking that out I, otherwise i'm not being honest
2: okay. i think what that is is there's now there's, there's always sorry go ahead oh it's 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 sort of the argument between probability and possibility fine you know it's probable but it's not possible why and, is it not possible no in terms of um, the way you're 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 uh, arguing that yes it's possible that yeah. there are other better candidates yeah. but it's probable that I am the best No, 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 candidate.
3: no. I said of the people who are on the table at the moment, it is my humble opinion that for the job that needs to be done,
2: I'm the best qualified. So you're that probably can... be the most best. No, no, exactly. no, no.
3: It doesn't follow. Doesn't follow. The but one is absolutely <laughs> but
2: my, my point is that this is a semantic <laughs> argument. No, it's not. It no, he said no well. He says no. he says it's not
0: probably he, of the people that are there now, he, is, he says he is, he is, he is he definite. The best. Yes. it's a definite.
2: Yeah. But it's not in probable. Terms of it's campaign it's, communication I think, though. Yeah, yeah. I find that problematic. Why? Because I want you to be absolutely certain that we can achieve the things that you that we want you to yeah, achieve. That's, I think we I, should I, I
3: think we should push ourselves to try to get Honest people to run our country.
2: You're a politician. I, I, You're in <laughs> yes, politics. I there's, no, no, what is a politician? Well,
3: My goodness. You, don't, <laughs> oh,
2: <yeah>. <laughs>
3: you <laughs> know what? <laughs> I think a you are lowering your
2: standards so I want to to say standard snake standard oil much. i but I don't think that's the right thing. But to why say. are you lowering <laughs> your standards
3: so much?
1: Do you know what? Dr. Moyo, there's a certain level of hubris that's required of a man to live the comforts of his life and say i can lead this nation of of 20 million or 16 million people so ultimately every politician every person that has put up their hands to say i am running for president there is a certain level of 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 hubris you've said it yourself and and, and the thing is that it's expected and it's even wanted because as a voter what i'm looking for is i understand i believe in your ideas but as a young voter, I'm also looking for you to be able to fight because the, the journey ahead is much tougher than, than it is now. So, you know, the fact of where we're coming from and where we need to go, it's, it's, it's sometimes not enough. And maybe our generation doesn't want to take responsibility, but it's sometimes not enough to, to give hedged answers. You shouldn't no. always be
3: hedging so your, let me tell your you answers. I, I really would like, I think I, you'd cause me a huge disconnect in terms of our approach life. We are saying we want to change the politics of this country. I am not saying I'm not responsible. I'm not pushing the responsibility onto young people. I'm doing my bit. But I want young people to also understand they've got a responsibility. Okay? It's a starting point. Mm-hmm. I want my fellow citizens to get very systematic about how they do this job. It's a job we are setting out to give somebody a job to run our country. And I would like us to invest as much as possible in stripping away the hubris. I absolutely believe in that. So, let's look at what the job is. Let's look at the evidence that is available to support the qualifications of candidates to do this job. They can come and sell as they will do in campaigning, but I'm advising you as the voter, as the person sitting in that selection panel, to have a system you use, which is it's never going to be 100% objective. Get it as objective as you can. If you want to save our country, build a country you're going to be proud of, build a country where your kids are going to live a prosperous life, you owe it to yourself to do this. This thing,
0: change the system. Change the system. I think you know it's it's why there's this disconnect is because of the manner in which politics has been happening in this country for the past 37 years. Well, the, for as long as the young people have been alive, and, you know, some of them who in 2018 will be, you know, 18 first-time voters, for as long as the two political parties have existed, the two main political parties that have been going head-to-head mm. since 2002, on the the two names on every ballot box presidential has been Mugabe and Shangri. Yeah, And I I, I and understand and I appreciate that what you and APA are trying to do is to change the way politics is... Uh, being the uh, how politics is perceived the political culture and it's something that's going to not only take a while but also take uh people to completely change their mindsets and i'm and, saying and it's an investment that's worthwhile i i you know what and i i look forward to seeing how that turns out because it it is it's disruptive that's what it is it mm-hmm. needs to be disruptive it's disruptive politics which um I think would be very good for this country, even if it, you know, changes the way the incumbents and the op- other opposition political parties look at the way they interact with the voters and with the people in constituencies. Yeah. Yeah. And all the MPs, if they then say that, you know, upper MPs operate a different way or there's a different interaction with, between, pol- between the politicians and the people then I think it's a good thing and you know all the best. I think our time is is uh, running a bit late. We've gone quite a <laughs> lot <laughs> over. No, but fine. I don't know if, no. if, if Henry has any last words or anything he'd like to add.
1: Uh, no, no, no. I think um, um I'm, 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 we'll be following closely and um, uh, good luck on your journey. Definitely, it's uh, going to be interesting.
3: Well, thank you very much. And on my part, firstly, thank you for creating the opportunity for us to exchange ideas. Mm. But secondly, and really critically, please take this and make it your own. You want to create a country not for me, but for yourselves. Engage with this thing. Engage, make your friends and family engage with this. We can do it. Everything that we see, everything that we enjoy in other people's countries has been created by people who committed themselves to get it done. That's how it's happened. It didn't happen on its own. The opinionated <laughs> <laughs> the No one
2: to. <laughs> well, um, in, with reference to your disruption I do agree that it is a disruption and it's a very uh, welcome disruption I think it will change the way we conduct politics but I think it will only be effective in the long term and by long term I'm looking at a hundred year timescale not a six month one <laughs> So, we'll see. Do you want to, to bet on
3: this? Do you want to put
2: money on absolutely it? Absolutely. How much? It will happen. Remember, you're it, taking money out of my son's
3: mouth. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> then, you see, then
1: you take it seriously. <laughs> then you'll take it seriously. Okay. It will, it will happen much much sooner <laughs> than I that. But I have courage in my conviction. So, obviously you learned some things from from Kwame um, <laughs> the <laughs> pool tables. <laughs> the pool tables over there. But okay, yeah, that's You're a, going straight to betting. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, well, there are some bits
0: which are worth making.
1: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: So so, um, I'll start with Upenyu. Where can people find you online? Uh, You
2: can find me on Twitter at Upenyu Makoni. Actually, everywhere at Upenyu Makoni.
0: Okay. Cool, Mm -hmm. Doctor Moyo. If people want to engage, if they want to share, you know, share something to be part of your agenda um, that's coming out next four weeks, you said. Where can they get at you?
3: We, we our website is actually just about to go live okay yeah so just watch the space we're going to advertise it okay
0: yeah um okay. yeah we'll let you know uh, from the podcast when it's when it's live okay. um we'll probably discuss it this is new territory for a lot of our politicians we saw launched a very interesting website when she launched her party yeah. um zanpf does have mdc does have but yeah i I don't find them quite engaging. I don't think they update them as often as they should mm. um yeah um Henry, you can do your salutations then I'll go last
1: um all right uh, find me at henry b t um on all social media um or the important ones anyway and yeah thanks guys yeah I'm interested to see who stands up to in the two hundred and ten constituencies
0: or at least in my constituency yeah. uh at Central, yeah. So. There's a guy
1: called Chris Charamba where I would want to. <laughs> that's, that's what I was just going to ask.
0: <laughs> so you should stand up, Chris. You, stand up. you can find me at Chris Charamba on all social media. Um, you, Dr. Moyo said you must encourage others. So I don't know. Maybe I need encouragement from, from my fellow youth. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, thank you. You've been listening and, um, to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. Free to say it? Free to do it. And, and no Capital 263.